Islands today on Broadway for Thursday, December 19th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini, and I would like to recognize the gentleman from Long Island for a minute and a half. And I am Broadway star James Marino. Uh, what shall I say? I am I'm going to claim my time. <laughs> Your time has expired. Now recognize the gentleman from Orlando. Uh, yeah, can you tell what I was watching on uh, Wednesday? No, no, I, I can't. God, that was a mind-numbing exercise of eight hours. Ah, yeah. You know, um, so the Book of Mormon is not making as much money as the true Mormon church, huh? Oh, I didn't hear about this. The Mormon, uh, it's actually, they don't like to be called Mormons anymore. It is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So what what happened? I didn't hear this story. Uh, yeah, so, something like uh, all the money they were supposed to be putting towards charities, they've not so much been doing that. They're banking it. Oh, good for them. They've got a couple billion dollars in cash. Nice. Well, I mean, they are a tax. I'm sure they've got a 501c3 recognition, so I'm sure they're technically considering themselves a charity. <laughs> well, churches are not 501c3, but we're yeah, whatever. way off topic here. So, but you know what's not a 501c3? Uh, Broadway Radio's Patreon account? Uh, that's right. Broadway Radio is not a 501c3, so we need you, our listeners, to help us out at patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. And also, good news, that um, we landed our first Today on Broadway sponsor. We did? We did. ExpressVPN oh. is going oh, to be okay. sponsoring uh, Today on Broadway uh, for one week in January. So as that comes up closer, but really excited that uh, this stuff is starting to materialize. It's awesome. I, I'm really glad you didn't say that Cats was going to be the first sponsor because that would have made this first story really, really uncomfortable. Yeah, that would be uh, tough. You know, Cats and Scott Rudin, we're going to have to put them on the list of uh, <laughs> probably will not sponsor us. <laughs> top, top two stories of the day. <laughs> All right, Killing so, advertisers every stretch of the way. <laughs> you know, we just want to be, you know, neutral and for the listeners, you know. Not, That's right. Not, not like any of these yeah. other, you know. Daily media, theater podcasts. Media <laughs> ventures that kowtow to the big Broadway. Was no, that what we call the big Broadway? Or, sure. Why not? I like the alliteration. Yeah. Big Broadway. All right. First up in the news, reviews for The Cats. Oh, review for The Cats film. We'll try that one more time. Reviews for The Cats film are finally released. Right yeah. Now. Yeah, they are. They are released. Are you allergic uh, to the, the Cats reviews as much as oh, the no. Cats themselves? Oh, no. These Cats reviews are delicious, and I love them very much. Um, okay, so real quick. This is a new live-ish action film based on the 1981 uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber musical of the same name. It is directed by Academy Award winner Tom Hooper, who also co-wrote the screenplay. There's an extra song co-written by ALW and Taylor Swift. It includes a ridiculous amount of stars. James Corden, Judy Dench, Jason Derulo, Idris Elba, T-Swizzle herself, Jennifer Hudson, Ian McKellen, Rebel Wilson, Francesca Hayward, Robbie Fairchild, Les Twins, uh, and uh, one of the Strelin sisters as well. Many, many, many people. I'm assuming she's a Strelin sister. ZZ. I can't remember. I, I can't keep them all straight. But anyway, the screenings were earlier this week. The embargo finally lifted on Wednesday evening, and... <sighs> Let's get into it, James. Uh, Manola Dargis from the New York Times wrote, quote, 
Transposing cats to the screen was always going to be difficult, particularly once the decision was made to create a live action version rather than an animated one. Traditional theater depends on the viewers going along with a very delicate balance of reality and unreality that comes when viewers breathe the same air and share the same space as live actors. Movies create a different reality effect or, if you insist, magic. Part of the pleasure of theater, if you're a partisan, is this human factor. But without the presence of hardworking troopers and fun fur in this cats, all that's left are canned images of fit-looking people meowing and raising their rumps high in the air. I mean, that's not the worst thing I've ever heard of before, but whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. Uh, Leah Greenblatt from Entertainment Weekly said, quote, the aim is clearly dramatical, fanatical, allegorical, metaphorical, statistical, and mystical. But Oscar winner Tom Hooper doesn't so much direct the action as duly plays Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical on camera. Even after 110 tumbling, tail-swishing, deeply psychedelic minutes, it's hard to know if you ever really knew anything, except that C is for cats, C is for crazy, and C is probably the grade this cinematic lunacy deserves in the sense of making any sense at all. And yet... That's somewhere under the Jellicle Moonlight. It is somehow to an A++. She grades it a C plus overall. And finally, the review that I want to frame and hang over my bed so I can read every night is from Alyssa Wilkinson from Vox. She wrote, quote, truly the most spectacular movie of the holiday season is Cats. And I write this half expecting the movie's marketers to use that as a pool quote on the poster. There's simply no better word to describe this Fantasia. The trailer featuring, featuring very famous people in cat fur and unnervingly placed tales singing songs from the 1981 Andrew Lloyd Webber musical broke the Internet and people's brains. Now I've seen it and my own brain feels turned to glitter, much like the sequined blue cat ears on a headband I was handed at the press screening. It is ludicrous and kind of divine furry and flabbergasting, absurd and, in some moments, weirdly touching. It is a film that resists ordinary treatment and especially ordinary reviews. Now, the the first review, James, from uh, The Grey Lady, tried to actually break it down and explain why this doesn't work as well. The other two from uh, Entertainment Weekly and Vox got really to the heart of what I've been saying I wanted this film to be the entire time. A absolutely ridiculous and dumb and stupid and not very good, but all the while absurdly entertaining. And both of those reviews and a lot of the other ones I'm seeing online um, are exactly that. People are saying it's the horniest musical you will ever see on screen, which I mean, I've seen hair, um, but uh, that, I guess, goes to the rumps high in the air uh, that Manola Dargis wrote about in the New York Times. But these reviews are exactly what I wanted out of this film. I've been going back and forth forth with uh, Alan Henry about whether I should finally see the stage version when it comes to town on or not to town does not come into Orlando, but it's coming to Florida in uh, January and February and then wait to see this or if I should do it the other way around. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet, but I'm very much excited to finally see this. I don't even know this Travis Shamockery uh, of a uh, uh, of, of a movie musical. So I was going to ask you about Alan Henry. What was his take on it? Um, Alan thought he, it was, he went to the premiere. He screening. did. He was he was seated just a few rows behind uh, Lin Manuel Miranda and and all of the famous people. And and actually, his tweet 
about cats got picked up in the media and they called him a Broadway star, which he thought was uh, very exciting. Um, Alan's pretty famous on the interweb, so I guess that's easy to get confused. But um, I, I can pull up the exact tweet, but it, it essentially said it's the weirdest thing you're ever going to see. It was not nearly as good as the stage show, which Al is obviously yeah. incredibly biased because mm-hmm. that's like his favorite thing ever. Um, but uh, they enjoyed it nonetheless. So I, I think that that's pretty much on par with what I was expecting. Um, oh, here we, here we go. Um, at Alan Henry, my final thoughts on cats. It's not a good enough movie to stand alone from the stage show. And it isn't a good enough representation of the musical to be part of that magical world. I would have prefer, preferred a radical adaptation versus what it ended up as still had fun. Not bad. So I, you know, I, Al has a little bit more uh, bias going into this than I think most people do. I think Al's seen the show. I don't know. I think it's close to 120 times on stage. So that's coming from a different perspective than a lot of us, but I am adoring these reviews. I think they are no pun intended or actually pun completely intended, extremely catty. And I love it. I, I was hoping that it would be a satirical look at cats, but it looks like they were all on serious. I, I caught the end of a commercial uh, the other day, and they said that uh, they described it as the night when all the cats compete to see who goes to heaven. And I thought to myself, I've no. seen this show a number of times, and I've never gotten that. Oh, well, no, it's it. it what the real story is, is that they compete to be reborn. The question that I've seen uh, that David Levy actually talked about on Twitter, and he was talking about a conversation he had with someone else. And I don't remember who it was, was whether or not the cats were actually alive still, or if they were already dead. And now that puts a different twist on it. If they're already dead, getting a chance to be reborn is one thing, but if they're alive, they get chosen to die and then get reborn. Mm. That puts a whole nother wrinkle in this. And I just, I, that was just a mind F if I've ever heard one. I see dead cats. <laughs> well, for my asthma, I hope they're all dead. No, I'm just kidding. I just stay away. All right. Let's move forward into, uh, oh, it is a Rudin story. It is a Rudin story. It is a Rudin story. So next up in the news, to kill a mockingbird. Do cats kill mockingbirds? Uh, if they can catch them. Yeah. Uh, to kill a mockingbird to play historic venue. Yeah, James, and it ain't a historic theater either. Instead, on February 26th of the year 2020, the Broadway company of To Kill a Mockingbird, led by Ed Harris, will perform in front of 18,000 New York City public school students in the most famous arena in the world, Madison Square Garden. Thanks to the support of the chairman and CEO of the Madison Square Garden Company, James Dolan, your old buddy James, the production will be entirely free to public, middle, and high school students from all five boroughs. Now, James, uh, you texted me after we got this press release. Do you want to share exactly what you said? Uh, will James Dolan screw up Mockingbird as much as the Knicks and the Rangers? That's not what you texted. I can read you the text, but that's actually very uh, accurate as well. Uh, I don't think that James Dolan is going to be involved with the production. Good old but... Jimmy Dolan. He'll horn his way in somehow, you and, know? And he'll probably actually make uh, Scott Rudin let his uh, rock band be the opening act. That oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the rock band. That's funny. I, I, I don't recall what... Uh... 
what I said in the text. I mean, I'll, I'll read it if you don't. If you decide afterwards to edit it out, feel free. But it was F hyphen 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 I N G Rudin. Oh yeah, I remember that now. That's right. That's an accurate text. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I know it was accurate. I didn't know if you wanted yeah. that out there. No, no, no. Sure. Yeah. I, it was just like. I was like, you know, why? What? What is the purpose of a nine a.m. press release about this? I mean, it, it just it just screws our whole production schedule up. It's so inconsiderate. <laughs> well, I mean, we're report. I mean, we're recording now at like you know nine o'clock p.m. and releasing right away. I mean, it doesn't really. He doesn't care. I mean, it's better than doing it at eleven a.m. or eleven p.m. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's just Scott, such a. It's just such a. It, you just don't it, like Rudin. No, it, it's it's not totally true. <laughs> so, I I mean, the thing is, is that you know, it, it's it's an us and them thing. It, it you know, it, it's an arrogance. The, the DK and C, DKC O and M people are like, yeah, we work for Scott Rudin, and you know, we only deal with Variety and the New York Times, and all the other outlets are just uh, little peons. And I mean, it just makes me. I mean, what, what did you want? I mean, like, what would you have preferred if if nine a.m. wasn't the time you wanted this to come out? What 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 would have been your well? I mean, like everybody out? else, you know, you 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 embargo it, and we can decide if we're going to hold the show for ah. nine a.m. or not. Uh, we probably wouldn't have for something like this, no. but you know, I guess it makes me petty. There's not as I mean. This to me, this would not have risen to the level of an embargo. Like I wouldn't have cared enough about this to be embargoed. In fact, I would have been like, "Why the hell is this embargoed?" Um, but that's just me. So, like the only things that I think are worthy of embargoing are like show announcements, big casting announcements. This is awesome. I think this is great that they're going to do this show for free. Oh no, for a absolutely. bunch of folks. That is totally yeah. That part but of I just it don't is awesome. Enough. But I, but I also yeah, I, think that there is a. Uh, there's a one-upsmanship happening here with uh, competing with Hamilton, you know. Trying oh, totally. To, with all the free with all student the stuff, free student and, yeah, stuff yeah. and things like they're like they're like trying to do one episode of uh, uh, of To Kill a Mockingbird uh, to catch up. Eighteen thousand students sort of catches up yeah. with nine. Uh, yeah, Edgehams. Ed, Edgehams, nine or ten Edgehams types of things like that, yeah, but probably even more. Yeah. So, uh, well, how many uh, Rogers holds eighteen hundred seats? So ten is eighteen thousand. So twenty thousand. So, you know, I think that the these type of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So fourteen hundred. So we're talking twenty edu hams to match up against this. It, it. I don't think it comes from the goodness. You are even think, more cynical than I am. But it's, I, think, yeah. I think Lynn comes from the goodness. I'm not sure that uh, the people who are ejecting Beetlejuice come from the goodness. The Schuberts? <laughs> <laughs> the Schuberts are just Rudens by any other name. <laughs> All right. What do we have in show and casting news? All right, James, we've got some pretty exciting stuff here. So let's start by going back to before, as it was announced yesterday that on April 27th, Audra McDonald and Brian Stokes Mitchell will lead a one night only benefit concert of Ragtime. The concert will be in benefit of the Actors Fund. 
In a press release, Stokes, who is the chairman of the Actors Fund, said, quote, Our community was heartbroken at the loss of one of Broadway's great stars, my good friend and original ragtime cast member, Marin Maisie. Marin's courage and grace inspired everyone who knew her, as well as her countless fans and generations of theater professionals. She was a true original, and our cast, creative team, and the Actors Fund are proud to dedicate this evening in her loving memory. I don't know about you, James. I got tears in my eyes and I got goosebumps just reading that. And I've read it multiple times today. Um, so I love this. They originally had announced a reunion one night only concert for the Actors Fund uh, in the spring before Marin passed away. Obviously, her health turned and they were never able to do that while she was alive. Uh, but I think that this is um, a wonderful way to tribute her further casting. Presumably, many more original company members included will be announced uh, And quick. James, I didn't prep you for this, but any thoughts on who you would like to see play mother? Kelly since, O'Hara. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, I think it should be great. Donna Murphy did a lot of the workshops oh, yeah, uh, of Donna the show, Murphy so she too. would be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kelly but I would, <laughs> what I kind of hope is that they get women who have some sort of connection with Marin, including uh, Kelly O'Hara, since uh, Marin replaced her in King and I, um, but women who have some sort of connection to Marin and have them rotate through and each do a song or a scene or something. Uh, that would be my uh, hope and suggestion. Benanti. Benanti, um, Ashley Park. Uh, yeah. you know, that's kind of an out there thing, but Ashley Park is a cancer survivor and they uh, did King and I together and had a very special bond. So um, I'm hoping that they uh, that, that would be my vote. Um, not that not that anyone's asking me, but um, Stokes, if you're listening, that that's my recommendation. But anyway, in uh, other news, James, it was announced earlier this week that Adam Chandler Barat, Tabby Gevinson and Andy Gratolution have joined the upcoming classic stage company revival of Assassins. They will play the roles of John Hinckley Sr., Squeaky Frome and Samuel Bick, respectively. Adam Chandler Barat singing Unworthy of Your Love seems like the most perfect casting uh, that I ever could have imagined. So I love that. They, of course, will be joining the previously announced Judy Kuhn, uh, Stephen Pasquale, Will Swenson, Wesley Taylor, and Brandon Uranowitz. That's just an absurdly stacked cast. John Doyle will direct the production, which will run from April 2nd through May 17th off-Broadway. Then, out in the Second City, it was announced yesterday that Tony winner Faith Prince and Tony nominee Norm Lewis will lead a production of uh, 42nd Street at the Lyric Opera of Chicago from May 29th through June 21st. Norm will play Julian Marsh, the role originated by Jerry Orbach, and Faith will play Dorothy Brock, originally played by Tammy Grimes. And finally, yesterday, Broadway HD announced a partnership with Broadway and Beyond Theatricals to bring the streaming services films to regional performing arts centers and in playhouses across the country. The first three films that will be screened in various locations across the country in 2020 will be presented uh, or they will all be things that were captured and presented from Broadway by Broadway HD. They are She Loves Me indecent and present laughter that's pretty much the only three things they captured on broadway um oh, anyway james street oh that was the london production yeah everything else was from london yeah. or off mm-hmm. um I'm, i know there's others i just that's the main ones yeah uh, anyway james wh- what do you think about this so what you're saying is there people are going to get together and watch these on a screen in a regional theater i believe is that, that what... is the i believe that is the situation yes uh okay. I I mean <laughs> <laughs> what? 
uh, your cynicism today is just amazing. I, I I just came back from a you know a K through eight concert. You know, <laughs> I'm cynical. Here's, here's the here's the here's the press release. The partnership provides an opportunity for participating performing arts venues to attract new audience members in their communities. Oh. Theater can offer these screenings featuring marquee talent at more flexible times and a lower cost to patrons than a live stage show, which could appeal to less traditional theater audiences such as college students and young professionals. Okay, that is well written. <laughs> Is really well written. Who wrote that? Um, let me see. Uh, Brittany Smith from DKCONM. <laughs> well, damn it, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? <laughs> All right, thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter oh, at Broadway Radio. Oh, you can God. find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. <laughs> well, didn't those chickens come home to roost? <laughs> oh, <love> it. <laughs> And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. <clears throat> Brittany, we love you. We love to yeah. see an O&M. I was just kidding before. Yeah. And, and before we go, James, uh, yeah. we, we do have a very special congratulations we have to send out. Uh, we were Sure. We were joking about him not being very smart or attractive on yesterday's episode. Oh. Little, little did we know that at the time we were recording... Our good friend Oliver Roth was getting engaged to be married. So, congratulations, Oliver. Um, I sent some messages with him uh, on uh, Tuesday night when I saw the post on the social meds. But uh, we love Oliver. Oliver is one of the yes. genuinely good humans uh, out there. And I'm so pleased not only for his uh, theatrical success with all of the shows that he's a part of this season, but obviously his personal uh, success uh, because his fiance said yes. So uh, and I've met his fiance. He's lovely as well. Um, so just uh, congratulations. We love Oliver and I uh, uh, can't wait to hear uh, all the details of how it went down. Oh, that's great. I'm so happy for Oliver. Congratulations, Oliver. And uh, we also wanted to let you know that uh, while it is like flurrying and storming and blizzarding here in New York, uh, Ashley's down in the down in Atlanta still staying warm. But, sh you know, yeah. it's actually like in the in the mid 30s right now in Atlanta. Oh, well, not here, though. Yeah, it's exactly. But uh, Ashley will be back, uh, I think, next week, right? Uh, no, I think tomorrow. She's going to be on tomorrow's episode, uh, assuming all of her flight uh, stuff gets back in. She will be coming back to the NYC uh, on Thursday. So unless something weird happens, Ashley and I will be here to close out the week. Right. So I'll be here with Matt tomorrow night, and we'll uh, talk to you soon. All right.